guys? How's it going? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. Um, hey, so my name is Aaron uh, or Chip. Either one is fine. Whatever you choose to call me, Aaron or Chip, I will respond to either. Uh, I'm super excited to be here uh, with you guys tonight. I, I love camp. I love uh, what we get to do here. I think you guys are in for an awesome weekend. How many of you guys have been um, up here before? handful of you, okay? Uh, well, welcome back to those of you who are new. Welcome. Uh, we're going to have a sweet time. Just a, a little bit about myself. I think Corey said it, um, but uh, I'm a pastor. Uh, I do a, I, I run the children's ministry at a church in Kingsburg, which is a little town you've never heard of, and that's fine. Uh, it's a little farming town, um, the Central Valley, and uh, it's, a, it's a sweet, sweet place. And um, I am married my wife's name is Anna. We have two little boys, Grant and Caleb. Uh, Caleb is two. Grant is five. Um, one of them is, is really, really smart and just super sharp, and, and the other one's cute. Um, and uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. No, no, both of my boys are really smart, but one, one of them is also cute. Uh, anyway, um, no, they're both cute. All right, all right, fine. Uh, don't tell them any of that. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm excited for what we get to talk about this weekend, because we're going to be jumping into a passage in the book of Ephesians. Uh, it's going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So why don't we just start tonight? We're going to open up there, because over the next four sessions that we have together, over these next three days, um, we're going to be going through Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 17 all the way to verse 32. So if you want to open up there, we'll start in Ephesians 4. 17 tonight. Let's see if I can find it. All right. So we've got 32 or 17 to 32. I'm not going to do the math on how many verses that is, but it's quite a few. So tonight we're going to get through about a half a verse uh, and we'll be on pace. Um, we won't be on pace, but that's fine. Um, so what we're going to see this weekend as we go through Ephesians 4, 17 to 32, is we're going to see this idea of God making us new, recrafting us, making us into to new creatures, what that means and what that actually looks like played out in our lives. But much of what we're going to see in Ephesians 4 uh, is instruction. It's instruction on, on how we are supposed to live our lives. And so this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing this letter to the church in a place called Ephesus. And he's giving them instruction on how to live in light of being made new by Christ, being, being made new by God. And as he gives them this instruction, uh, it's important for us to ask, who's this coming from, right? So how many of you guys have siblings? Does anybody have, how many of you have older siblings? Let's put it that way. Who has an older brother or sister? I have one sister. She's two years older than me. And when we were kids, my sister was really bossy, all right? Does anybody have an, a bossy older sibling? Yeah. My sister was really bossy. Um, and me, being the, the, the youngest and being the punk that I was, I never wanted to listen to anything she said, right? And so this would happen all the time where my sister would come into my room and she would say, your room's really dirty. You need to clean it. And I would go, no, I'm not going to clean my, like, who, who do you think you are telling me what to do? She'd go, you need to clean your room. I go, says who? 
says who, you? Because I'm not listening to you, right? But if my sister came into my room and she said, hey, dad says that you need to clean your room, that's a very different thing. Right? If my sister comes in and says, you need to clean your room, I go, whatever, I'm not listening to you. But if she comes in and she says, hey, dad says you need to clean your room. Why? Not because my sister has any authority, but because my dad does. In my house, if my dad said that I needed to clean my room, then I would better clean it. Right? Because of who he is and because of who I am in relationship to him. So, so as we go through Ephesians 4 and we see these instructions about how we're going to live our life or how we should live our lives, we need to ask that same question that I asked my sister. Says who? Who's this coming from? Is it someone that I should listen to? Is it someone with authority to tell me what to do? And so, as we look at verse 17, we get the answer to that question of says who. So before it even goes into what the instruction is, listen to this. Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. We'll stop right there just with verse 17. Remember I said this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he starts with, now this I say. Well, who's Paul? Who's this guy? He's some guy who lived 2,000 years ago. Now, if you know who he is, you know that he's probably someone you'd be wise to listen to. But at the same time, he doesn't have authority over my life, right? This is like my sister coming in saying, hey, you need to clean your room. But he doesn't just do it on his own authority. What does he say? This I say and testify in the Lord. So all the, the, these things we're going to talk about this weekend, about living this, this new life, this is on the basis not of the authority of the guy who was writing this down 2,000 years ago. This is on the authority of the Lord. This is on the authority of God. All these instructions that he's about to give are on the authority of of God. So then what's the question that arises? Who is God and why should I listen to him? Who is God and why should I listen to him? Who is God and why should I obey him? Who is God and what gives him the right to tell me what to do? Who is God and what gives him the right to tell me how to live my life? And for that, tonight we're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 64. Now, if we wanted to answer the question, who is God and what gives him authority over my life, then what we really should do is we should read this thing cover to cover. But we don't have time for that tonight. I think you should do it, but we're not going to do it right here tonight. Instead, we're going to go to Isaiah 64, and we're going to get one picture of who God is and where his authority comes from. Isaiah 64, we're going to be looking at verse 8. Just in that one verse, we're going to see two things about God and one thing about us. Two things about God and one thing about us. Remember I said my dad telling me to clean my room, that carried weight because of who my dad is, but also because of who I am in relationship to my dad. Your dad telling me what to do doesn't carry nearly as much weight as my dad telling me what to do. All right, so in Isaiah 64, 8, we'll see two truths about God and one truth about us. Tell us how this works and where this authority comes from. So let's read that verse now, Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. You are the clay, sorry, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work 
of your hand. I'm going to read it again because I messed it up. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Remember I said that there are two truths in there about who God is, one about who we are. Let's start with one of those truths about who God is. One of the ways that this verse describes God, it says that God is the potter. Right? All this, this weekend, we're talking about this idea of God as the maker. In that video that you guys just watched, you saw this, this image of God as the potter, the one who, who forms the clay. And that's not just something we made up here at Hume. That's not just something that, that, that we invented to have a creative video. That's straight from the scriptures right there in Isaiah 64. That's straight from the Bible. It says that God is the potter. But what does it mean that God is the potter? Well, I think there are a few things we can draw out from that. A few things that we can understand about God in that picture, that image, that metaphor of him as the potter. The first is that he's the maker. He is the one who has made everything. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created or God made the heavens and the earth. That's where this book, that's where the Bible, the story of God and his world starts. In the beginning, God created. In John chapter 1, verse 3, it says that everything that was made was made through him. Speaking of Jesus, speaking of God, it says that Everything that was made, everything that exists, everything in all of creation was made through him. And without him, not anything that exists was made. So every single thing that was made was made by God through Jesus. Everything from the the blades of grass to the mountains to the stars in the sky to the oceans to the lakes to the rivers. Everything that exists was made by God. He is the potter. He is the maker. And because he's the potter, because he's the maker, Scripture also tells us that everything that exists was not only made by him, but that it belongs to him. In Psalm 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and its inhabitants. That everything that exists, from the smallest blade of grass to the largest mountain, to the stars, to the nebulous, to the planets, everything was made by him and belongs to him. He is the maker of it. He is the ruler and the king who reigns over it. And everything that was made was made for his purposes. See, when the potter makes a pot, makes it for his purposes purposes he doesn't make it for no reason he makes it for a specific use for a specific purpose the same is true with god in in romans chapter 11 verse 36 it says this for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever amen from him and through him and to him are all things. When we talk about God as the potter, we're talking about the fact that he is the creator of everything, that he is the owner, the ruler of everything, and that everything that exists was made by him on purpose for a purpose. So God is the potter. But what else do we see in Isaiah 64, 8? We see also that we are the clay, that we 
are the clay. What does it mean that we are the clay? Well, if God being the potter means that everything was made by him, that everything belongs to him, and that everything was made for his purpose, the fact that we are the clay means that we were made by him, that we belong to him, he rules over us, and that we were made for his purpose. But there's something more to it than that. See, it says that we are the clay and we are the works of his hands. The incredible thing is that while God made everything, he made people different. While he created everything, he made people like you and me special. See, if we go to Genesis chapter 1, it tells us about how God made everything from the the blades of grass to the stars in the sky. But then when we get to Genesis chapter 2, it zooms in on how God made mankind. In Genesis 2, 7, we see this. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. See, everything else in all of existence, God made it with just the power of his voice. Chapter 1 of Genesis tells us that he said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let the stars be in the sky, and the stars were in the sky. He said, let the land bring forth vegetation, and plants sprung forward. Everything else in creation was made by the very power of God's voice. But people, men and women like you and me, were made specially by God. The work of his hands. It says he crafted Adam from, from the dust of the ground. He breathed his breath into him. He, he crafted Eve with his hands. He breathed his, his life into her that mankind was made specially. Not just by the words of God, but by the hands of God with the breath of God being breathed into him. And not only were we made specially, but we belonged to him specially. How many of you guys in here would call yourself a maker? How many of you are creative? Anybody? Does anybody in here paint? Do we have any like painters, artists? What do you do when you've created something you're really proud of? When you, when you draw something beautiful, when you paint a beautiful picture, what's the last thing that you do? You frame it? Okay, maybe not the last thing that you do. Maybe before that. What do you, you sign it, right? You sign it. I... I have some, some hobbies. Uh, one of them is that I rebind Bibles. So I take, I take Bibles, I make leather covers for them, I make them into these fancy goatskin, fancy Bibles, like this one right here. And the last thing that I do um, when a Bible's ready to go is I put my maker's mark on it. So down here, it's imprinted, it says Chips Bibles on it. It's my brand. And, uh, and I put my maker's mark on it because I'm proud of this thing that I've made, right? And that's what we do. That's what a maker does. A potter, right, at, at, the, at the, the end of forming the pot, they, they put their maker's mark on the bottom. And if you go, you look at handmade pottery, you look on the bottom, it might be an initial or, or a logo or something. There's some mark of the maker on it. Well, God is the same way. See, he made everything in all of the universe, it all belongs to him, but people are his in a special way because people bear his maker's mark. They bear his image. In Genesis 1, 27, 
as God has made everything in all of creation except for mankind, we see God saying this. He says, let us make man in our own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. See, we are special among creation because we are made by the hand of God. We are made in the image of God. So God being the potter means that everything was made by him, everything belongs to him, and everything was made for his purpose. Us being the clay means that we were specially made by him, that we belong to him specially, and that we were made especially for his purpose. See, I said a little bit earlier that everything that exists was made for the purpose of God. It was made by God on purpose for a purpose. And what we see throughout scripture is that that purpose for which God made everything that exists is for his glory. That everything from the blades of grass to the stars in the sky is created to give God glory. All of it is to give God glory. In Psalm chapter 19, it says that all of creation declares the glory of God, that the stars above proclaim his handiwork. In Romans chapter 1, it says that we can look around at creation. We can look at the world around us, the world that God has made, and it proclaims to us, it declares to us the power and the glory and the majesty of God. That the creation proclaims the power of the creator to his glory. Everything from the blades of grass to the stars in the sky proclaim God's glory. And that's the very same purpose that you and I were made for, to proclaim God's glory. Only just as we were made specially, and just as we belong to him specially, we glorify him specially. Because you see, the mountains and the trees, they proclaim the glory of God by how big and powerful and beautiful they are. But you and I, we proclaim the glory of God by knowing him, by loving him, by serving him, by worshiping him. See, that's what we were made for. The book of Isaiah, God says, my people who are called by my name, who I created for my glory. That's the reason that we exist. That's the reason that God made us. He made us for his glory. He made us to know him, to love him, to serve him, to worship him. That is our purpose. That's the reason for which our creator crafted us. That's the reason for which he made us. The Bible says that he, he knit us together in our mother's womb that he made us intentionally purposefully why that we might glorify him that we might know and love and serve and worship him it's why we were made and so here in isaiah 64 we see that god is the creator that he is the potter that we are his creation the pinnacle of his creation made by him for the purpose of glorifying him, made in his image to know and to love and to serve him. But there's another incredible truth in Isaiah 64. 
Because it doesn't just call God the potter. What else does it call him there in that verse? The Father. The Father. See, God is not just a creator who makes us and then puts us on the shelf to gather dust. God is also the Father to his people. He knit us together. He knows us and he loves us. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says that he knows what we need before we even ask. See, God is not just some creator who is far off, who made us, and then leaves us alone. He is a loving father who knows what we need, who cares what we need, and who wants our best. He desires our good. And so when we ask this question, All of this instruction, all of this how to live our life that we're going to talk about this weekend. When we ask, who says? Well, our creator says. The one who made us. The one who knew us before the very foundations of the world. The one who designed us. The one who made us in his image for his glory to know and to love and to serve him. That's who's talking to us. But he's not just our creator. He's also a loving father who knows what we need who cares about us, who knows the deepest desires of your heart, and who knows what's best for you and wants what's best for you, even when you can't see it. You see, we don't like to be told what to do. And sometimes when we're reading through Scripture and when we see what God commands of us, we don't think that that's what's best. We think that we know better. He's our creator who made us on purpose and for a purpose. He loves us and he cares for us and his commandments are for our good. I told you guys that I have two sons. Five-year-old and two-year-old. Well, my two-year-old, he started watching Power Rangers with his five-year-old brother. And what that means for me is that I get hit by a lot of toy swords, just like constantly. But But it also means that my two-year-old is just on a mission to have some horrible accident, all right? He's he's constantly doing karate, but, like, he doesn't really have any balance, right? Let's just say he's the cute one. Um, And and so so my two-year-old will be climbing up onto our kitchen counter, and he'll get up there, and he'll start doing, like, karate on the kitchen counter, all right? And I'll come in, and I'll be like, Caleb, Caleb, no, you can't do karate on the kitchen counter. And I'll pick him up, and I'll put him back on the ground, and I'll go, you can do karate on the ground, not on the counter. And what does he do? Does he go, oh, okay, sweet, Dad, sounds great. No, he throws a fit. He cries. He whines. He tries to climb back up again. Why? Because he doesn't think that what I'm telling him is for his good. He doesn't realize that I'm telling him this because I know him and because I love him and because I want what's best for him. Guys, the same is true when we talk about God. God is our potter who made us, who rules over us. He is is the one who, who knit us together, who made us for purpose. He is the one who... We were designed to love and worship and serve. But he's also 
our loving Father who desires what's best for us, who knows our needs and cares about us. And so, he tells us to not do karate on the counter. Maybe not that exactly, but, but he does. He tells us how to live. He tells us what we should do. He tells us how we can honor him. And sometimes we don't like to hear that, but the reality is if we realize who the one telling us is, if we realize that he is not only our maker, but that he is our father, that he loves us and he cares for us, that he knows what's best and he desires what is best for us, then it makes it a whole lot easier to listen. So this week as we talk about what it looks like to live in light of being made new in Jesus, I want you to keep in mind who's talking. It's not me. It's not the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago. It's God himself, the God who is our potter, the God who is our father, who we are his clay. You know, it's been said that the most important thing about us is what comes to our minds when we think about God. And tonight, I just want to leave you with that question. What comes to your mind when you think about God? Do you think about a God who's a killjoy? Just doesn't want you to ever have any fun. Do you think about a God who's, who's distant, who's far away, who doesn't care, who's apathetic to your pains and your hurts and your struggles and your story? Do you think about a God who's weak, who's unable to do what he wants in this world, Think about a God who's mean, who's out to get you, who's waiting for you to slip up so that he can lay down the hammer. Or do you think about the God who is potter, the God who is father? Do you think about the God that Scripture describes as, as loving, as powerful, as close at hand, a God who desires your good? When you think about God, when you think about the one who is laying down these commandments for us, who do you believe that he is? Because scripture tells us in no uncertain terms that he is the powerful, ruling, reigning, creator king of everything and everyone, everywhere. But that he's also the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, a God who knows and loves and cares deeply for his people, a God who called us out before the foundations of the world, who knows our deepest desires, our deepest struggles, our deepest pains. He knows what we need before we even ask it. And he desires our good, that we live the life that we were made for, a life of knowing and loving and serving our creator and our father. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are not just creator, that you make us in your image, that you make us to know and love and serve you, that you make us distinct and separate from all the rest of creation, but God, that you're also our father, that you love us, that you know us, that you care for us, that you desire what's best for us. God, I pray this weekend as we continue to walk through your word, to see what it means to be recreated in Christ, to see what it means to live a life that is honoring to you, God, I pray that we keep in mind these are not just pieces of advice from some wise man who lived 2,000 years ago, but rather, God, this is divine instruction from our creator and our heavenly father.
Father, we thank you for these truths. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.